Hello, welcome to the Market Weekly Podcast. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and this week I'm joined by Zikai Chen, Head of Asian Equities, to discuss uh, developments of, of emerging market Asian equities through the pandemic, uh, through the reflation trade. And if we think about how investors viewed emerging markets, at least at the beginning of the year, uh, for the most part, I think people were optimistic, a bullish view on EM, expecting outperformance, hopefully, for the year. And that view was based on an expectation for better trade relations, better trade flows with the Biden administration compared to Trump, uh, also looking to the anticipated recovery in China, given that the country certainly was much further along in managing the pandemic and now moving into recovery. Uh, however, if we look at the figures, so far emerging markets have actually underperformed developed markets year to date. If we look specifically at EM Asia, we see that Asia is in the middle. Uh, EMEA, Europe, Middle East and Africa at the top, Latin America has lagged. And then within EM Asia, China has, has lagged the broader index. So perhaps things haven't gone quite as planned. And if we think about what might explain some of that underperformance, of course, we've seen with the increase in U.S. interest rates, notably over the last several weeks, uh, an underperformance of technology. And perhaps that's uh, gone from a strength to at least a short-term vulnerability. And then, of course, we think about cyclicality and value. So a lot to manage if you're a portfolio manager, I'd imagine, Zikai. So first question then for you, uh, how have Asian equities responded to the reflation trade that we've seen over the last six months or so? And then how do you expect that to evolve through the rest of 2021? Thank you very much, Daniel, for having me on for today. I think on uh, Asian equities had had a very fairly volatile couple of months in the start of the year. And uh, a lot of the things probably has not turned out uh, where we imagine, say, towards the end of the year. Uh, I always had a more cautious outlook, if you will, in terms of Asian equities performance. But at the same time, we also saw two big peaks so far this year. It's quite uh, interesting to basically think back that it's just only been less than three months. But um, Asian equities has actually hit teens return, not only in January, but also in February. The peak was about mid-February. And uh, I think part of uh, how Asian equities has responded to, shall we say, a mini risk-off with the um, spike up in uh, U.S. interest rates has been that we have seen a little bit of a retreat from the valuation angle from some of these uh, popular growth names in Asia. As we know, Asia typically is seen as a growth market and a lot of um, capital flow has come in to basically take advantage of that growth since the beginning of the year. And with the Hiked that with the spike that we have seen in the U.S. Uh, 10 years bond yield, some of these capital flows has probably returned, and I think investors are also looking at the valuation uh, for some of these Asian equities over the course of this year. But the good news is, from the earnings angle, the earnings has been very robust. Right, um, I think a lot, as some of my colleagues has mentioned, not only did they uh, not, it was not a case of just low base effect. A lot of the companies were delivering earnings on top of expectation on an ongoing basis. So stripping out the, uh, the low base effect that we saw in 2020. So earnings outlook and cash flow outlook has actually been good, particularly for the companies that continue to take market share in their individual uh, area of core competence. And that 
remains intact. I think what has changed slightly is that a lot of the Asian equities, in terms of the valuation, people are reevaluating some of this valuation in the overall context of the reflation trade. Now, of course, we're all still very much dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic, and we've seen quite varied uh, responses, different levels of success uh, across countries, depending on that response. And so when investors look at Asia, do you think investors will differentiate between countries that are perceived to have managed the pandemic better than others? And will we see a shift in capital flows towards those countries, perhaps versus the others? I think so. What we've seen over the last year is that there has been a recognition that Asia remains one of the key factory for the rest of the world and cannot really be decoupled anymore. Um, I, I, I look at what we have done in terms of like a, a lot of the necessary necessity goods that Asia provides to the rest of the world, like in terms of face masks, in terms of PPE that was really needed. You basically seen uh, a lot of those flows come from Asia still. And I think uh, that uh, when uh, corporates or investors think about Asia, they'll basically think about com- uh, countries or economies that have basically managed this a lot better relative to their peers. And this is also logical if you think about some of the economic activities that we see in a lot of the economies in Asia, particularly in North Asia versus South Asia. Largely, those economies that have done better in basically reducing like a daily spread to single-digit numbers or zero, their mobility numbers are pretty much back to where they were pre-COVID. A lot of people are basically going to restaurants, to malls. Malls are packed in most major cities in China. Malls are packed in Taiwan, for example. And that is a recognition that for countries and economies that basically manage this well, that's where the capital is going to flow. I think that's uh, pretty clear at this particular point in time. And on top of that, there's also a very interesting development that we saw in the last uh, 12 months to 18 months. And uh, this is in the particular area of uh, semiconductors, if you will. Asia has become a key hub for semiconductors for the separate economies around the world. And we have basically running into shortages. And that capex to basically secure more of this is going to come in. And all the companies that is uh, situated or manufacturing in Asia will have to pull more capital to work to basically make sure to ensure the supply of those semiconductors uh, is uh, fulfilled. So in your intro, you talked about how it's been uh, a volatile three months. And and as you said, it's been three months, but it somehow feels quite longer. (laughs) Uh, That highlights certainly kind of the risks in general. Uh, that you have to think about when you look at investing in Asian equities. So what are the key risks that you have in mind aside from volatility and how are you trying to manage those? Sure. I think the key risk is making sure that we understand what we are buying in the equity portfolios that we're trying to construct for our prospects and clients. And uh, some of the key risks that we are looking at is how are some of these companies uh, how vulnerable they are to potentially another uh, semi-shutdown or lock-in within the local economies. How much of their revenues are exposed to potentially a recovery in terms of tourism and how much uh, visibility that we have into that. I would say at this particular point in time, we are still taking quite a cautious view 
in terms of expanding our investment into, shall we say, a hidden town sectors where they're more dependent on tourism flows, because at this point in time, it is still not very clear. Uh, there's a lot of optimism, I would say hope, that uh, at some point in time later this year, we'll have a vaccine passport, but the operational difficulties of those is uh, quite significant in our view. So we have not basically um, uh, gone into those sectors at this particular point in time. The other risk, which is more macro, and that's something that uh, is less uh, easy to manage, is uh, where we have a situation where the developed market central banks mismanage the U-curve. I think that is a question that is very much uh, in the investor's mind at this particular point in time. We have seen um, or the benchmark U-curve for the U.S. 10-year Treasury zoom back up to levels we have not seen since last year in February, right? And valuations being where they are, I think is uh, leading investors to basically think about, you know, how much do I want to pay for these companies um, that is generating these returns over time? Those are the key risks that I can think of right now. That's what keeps you up at night. Uh, so, of course, you're an equity portfolio manager. Equity portfolio managers are supposed to look for opportunities. Uh, and I think that's probably what excites you the most. So, when you look at the situation from today, what do you, what sectors do you see as the best investment opportunities? Sure. I think we, we as uh, fundamental investors have not deviated. I think the last couple of months has been challenging from a price level point of view. But it's also been good that we have been challenged to basically revisit our conviction in our individual uh, companies that we invest in. What pleased me um, and comforts me uh, is that when we look into the individual companies that we invest in, we are still very comfortable and confident about the earnings growth potential and the cash flows coming from these companies that are investing over the course of this year. As in, we have very good visibility that this is not based on hope, but we have good on-the-ground traction where we can say that, okay, checking the supply lines, checking the uh, contracts of fulfillment, we are quite comfortable that these earnings are very achievable. And so we find this in the separate sectors. It's really about finding the best companies and putting in a coherent portfolio for our investors. We are finding uh, companies like this that are in the financial sector. Uh, right now, we are probably more overweight in the consumer sector, which is, should not be a surprise. Um, that is leveraged to the higher income growth uh, in Asia and uh, also in the information technology sector because of pricing power returning to some of these uh, hardware technology companies that are benefiting from the global shortages that we're seeing in semiconductors. Fantastic. Thank you very much for that, Zikai. If I can summarize a bit what you've shared with us, I acknowledge that the spike in interest rates that we've seen over the last uh, couple months, couple weeks, uh, has had an impact on, on Asian equities. Uh, but to remember that before that occurred in January, February, you actually had, had quite good returns and we're hoping that that resumes. Uh, particularly when looking at the earnings outlook, the cash flow outlook, that's still quite positive and in the end, that really should be what, what drives equity prices. Uh, if we think about the lessons from the pandemic, number one, uh, is probably that decoupling, uh, maybe not quite as feasible as people might have imagined. And the pandemic has highlighted the dependence, actually, of a lot of the developed world on, on production in Asia, be that PP&E or, or semiconductors, so that those links uh, will likely persist. And I think we'd all imagine that, that that's a good thing. 
Uh, other risks to keep in mind, however, uh, sadly, always the potential for renewed lockdowns. So, of course, we all fervently hope that that doesn't occur. Uh, also, thinking about the timing, perhaps, of investing in companies that are going to benefit from, say, a resumption in tourism. We all, again, hope that that occurs, but we'll have to see uh, or at least be pretty sure when that's going to happen and, and not be too eager, perhaps, uh, to invest given the challenges that still lie ahead. Uh, and then finally, uh, always mindful of, of interest rates and particularly the important role that central banks play uh, and will play in determining what happens uh, with inflation expectations and policy rate expectations. Well, that's all we have time for today. If you have any further questions, please do not hesitate to reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact. My thanks again to Zekai for sharing his insights. We'll be taking a break next week for Easter. But please join us the following week when I will be speaking with Ken O'Donnell to discuss the outlook for Fed policy and U.S. interest rates. Until then, we hope you stay safe and take care. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BMP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.